crack straight into it, boys. Episode 21, a casual 80-point victory down at Kenya Park over the Melbourne Demons. Geelong. Jake, with me here. Hey, Ro. Good to be back. Just such a great win. Oh, how are we tracking? Oh, brilliantly, mate. I'm... <laughs> it's an interesting one to assess that from round one against Melbourne, where it was tight and tight throughout, Collingwood leading the match. A very different story, this one. If we take away the individual performances, how do we look at this? The 72 inside 50s for Melbourne against 48 for Geelong. The scoreboard <laughs> reads Geelong, 20 goals, 6, 126, versus Melbourne, 6 goals, 10, 46. Jake? Yeah, it was it was such a weird game because it felt like, if you, if you took away the scoreboard, you felt like Melbourne were, were really right in it. The amount of inside 50s they had, especially in the third quarter where they had about 12 inside 50s very quickly at the start of the quarter and five points with those inside 50s. It was, yeah, such a surreal game. But then, you know, they, they missed all those all those goals and we took it straight down the other end and I think we had seven inside 50s for six goals straight in the third quarter. So, yeah, it was a, a weird game. What did you think about it all? Uh, well, you know, that's often that's often the way, you know, one team will be peppering the 50 repetitively and then um, the opposition will immediately take it down the other end and score. Um, and that's quite often what happened, particularly in the second half for us. Yeah, I feel like there was a um, just a greater sense of efficiency for Geelong. That's what the stats indicate and that's what it felt like for large portions of the game after halftime. Melbourne are a high-pressure outfit, best tackling teams in the competition. They will make finals. I know that they're two and zip losses so far, but they will make finals, and I still think they are a serious premiership contender, like Chris Scott said in his post-match presser, but it's nice that we pretty much broke even in the tackles department. Disposal efficiency was around about them as well, but more disposals, more contested possessions as well. It, it, there was a time we were killing them. We, we ended up 195 to 177, but there was a period where we were just destroying them in terms of contested possessions. Rebound 50s, our defense, I don't know one word how to describe it other than just sublime. Uh, I'd say Jake. the word's probably stoic. Your you take, know, Jake? Rock solid. Yeah, they were uh, pretty damn good, to be honest. They, you couldn't really fault any any line, but especially the back line. I mean, I said in the uh, Every Cat's Rated segment, you can check out the Facebook page for that, Coladashny probably played his best game for the club. And uh, there was an article that Geelong just put out before about how no one's really talking about Coladashny, but he's really highly rated inside the four walls of the club. And I think us as fans are starting to see him blossom into the sort of player that uh, like that's his sort of brand as an athletic and sort of fit and fast and strong player that can lock down on these medium-sized, dangerous forwards. Um, mm. but yeah, the whole, whole back line especially was um, fantastic, just considering the amount of inside 50s Melbourne had. Yeah, we pumped up Collar last week, so it's nice to see him continue the form. 65 rebound 50s to the Cats to 27 to Melbourne. Just shows our ability from the likes of Collar Jasney and Tom Stewart's Along with, I thought, Mark O'Connor, who had a, a great game as well. Probably his, probably his best game in the hoops I've seen, Mark O'Connor. I thought he really stopped. Just when, when they had repeat inside entries to looking for the likes of Wiedemann and Tom McDonald, Harry Taylor's one percenters stood out. Blitzars was there to match. But I feel like our forward intensity 
really was there for in, in the defensive intensity. It was all around the ground. It didn't stop. Brian Myers was pitching in out back. Even Atkins when he was in center. It it's a new brand of football under the Cats. It just looks mm. like that. Mm. I'm I'm yeah I'm I'm loving loving the new brand. And whilst it's you know whilst it's seemingly rather attacking, it's built from the back. It's built from stoic defense, and that's the way that good teams are built. That's the way that Geelong modeled their game. You know during the golden era that we had, it was always off of a rock solid defense and then it just goes from there but it becomes a full ground assault on the opposition yeah i think the conditions did play into our favor what do you think jake i love the idea of it at a rainy day at kidney park some people think oh rainy footy ah damn um, i wish you at home that's the best kind of footy for me when it's just a bit of grit grunty yep hard ball hard pickups it's great to watch Absolutely, yeah. I, I saw a stat during during the week on Twitter. The last three games Geelong have played at, at that stadium were the Melbourne game, the Fremantle game last year where we won by, I think, 100 points, and then the Gold Coast game before that, which I think was almost a 100-point win or over a 100-point win again. And all of those games, especially the Fremantle one, it was absolutely pouring rain. So I don't know if that helps our game style but it definitely um probably lends itself to the game style we've got now which is that you know down in the dumps and like gritty and brutal sort of pressure and 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 tackles yeah i think it's um you know if it's ever raining sometimes it disadvantages some teams that prefer to like kick it long and use precision kicking and marking but i think it would play into our favor so if it ever is raining i think that increases our chances a little bit and obviously we we know the ground well and we know it better than anybody else. We play there, we train there. You know, we're, we're just totally used to the dimensions of the ground and ground dimensions often impact the way that a team will, will play. So for us to, to know the ground back to front, you know, to our home patch, it really would impact things, does impact things. Definitely. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I guess when you are. If you're in opposition and you are playing at Kinninia Park, it's very hard to just go a one percent a ball down the line, a long ball down the line, just to be met with a fist by Stanley or Taylor for another rebound stoppage on the wing. And then Geelong can set up their defences set up. So we had Jack Henry back as a sweeper, um, playing an extra man at times. And out of words, to be honest, our defence was that good. <laughs> well, to to be fair, I think. Um... Or Angus Brayshaw made some comments after the game saying about how they actually played better than last week. And it sounds weird, but they actually played closer to their brand. And you'd have to agree with them for a sense. Like I said before, they weren't out of the game by any stretch. They were, they were right. Like the contest was pretty even, but like you said, their efficiency going forward was just horrendous. And their forward line probably led by Petrarca, who's been highlighted a little bit by a couple of drop marks and, and mixed, missed kicks. They just didn't gel at all like we did and I think mm. that's something that Collingwood benefited from this week as well last week they just they just didn't gel and you could tell that they, they all the players weren't really on the same page and you mm. knew once it clicked they were going to come out and smash Richmond by however many points 40 points and I was worried that's what they'd do to us but I think two weeks in a row we've played really good sides who weren't necessarily at their best their game plan was thereabouts but they just hadn't gelled so I wouldn't be surprised if Melbourne came back 
and you know pumped Essen next week. Mm-hmm. Gary Lyon actually uh, talked about Christian Petrarca on air yeah. stated he's not a great player, and effectively that um, I think his exact words were. I don't see any craft in his game. There's a player that's 23 now. We we talk about Jake Collajasny and yeah. having one of the best games he's played and w- w- playing on Christian Petrarca and playing on James Harms and just having an absolute sublime game against both of them and tearing them apart. And it's that stage where you, you're a very high draft pick and they thought he was going to be a, a player they could build into a mid-forward rotation and just boss the game. but I'm not sure. As much as we like talking about Melbourne's list, let's leave Petraga for now. <laughs> he didn't have a they game. thought they they did they they anticipated that he would be a, a Jordan de Goli or a Dustin Martin type. Um, but just to make the point that we we were talking about uh, the the lack of you know offensive options for, uh, for for Melbourne. Apparently, they really only had two players who had kicked over a hundred career goals. Wow. Yeah. Nathan Jones was definitely one of them, um, and there was there was another one, but I, that just shows their uh, the the lack of potency and the element of still inexperience in their team, despite them being a high scoring team last season. To be fair to your comments, Jake, I, I do agree with what Angus Brayshaw said post match, and you, if you looked at the the match stats irrelevant of the scoreline. I mean, they've broke even with us in terms of disposal efficiency. Yeah, they're slightly behind on uh, contested possessions, but hit outs well ahead as expected against Max Gone, although I thought Ray Stanley put out a good shift um, mm-hmm. outside of the direct hit outs. Centre clearances were double in Melbourne's favour, 18 to 9. They beat us at the tackles just. So they were a seriously competitive outfit and dominated the clearances 56 to 41. Inside 50, 72 to 48. It, over those stats, you just think, all right, okay, Melbourne have just dominated this match. But our defense stood up and our pressure stood up and our young kids stood up again for the second week in a row at a different ground in a different dynamic. Well, just, you know, so, so much positivity coming out of the team at, at this moment in time and, and you talked about the uh the kids bro and just before we recorded this we did obviously find out that charlie constable had received the rising star nomination which i think we all hoped for and definitely expected 31 disposal seven clearances and a goal in the wet against not only a midfield opposing midfield that included clayton oliver with 45 touches and brayshaw with 31 touches but his own midfield, which included Salwood, Dangerfield, and Ablett and Tim Kelly at times. So that's a fantastic effort for a second gamer. Yeah, there was an argument made, I guess, that he would be in there for, for round one up against Scott for, for Rising Star, but he gets it round two. Done. Yeah. There you He's go, Chuck. Enjoy it. He's a gun. <laughs> so now for Geordie Clark to grab his. Next week. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Next Next week, sharing it around would be nice, or you know, for for all the young guys to get one at some point in the next uh, few weeks. Melbourne's individual players: Clayton Oliver, as you mentioned, Jake forty-four, Brayshaw thirty-three, Viney twenty-seven disposals. I thought Christian Salem and Bailey Fritch both had good games, along with James Harms. 
Um, Fritch and Harms, eight tackles each. Even though Harms at times was playing effectively a tag role on Tim Kelly or Danger at stages, I thought he did put in quite a shift and eight tackles with that. Decent game. But they had a, a lot of players that just went missing big time. The inserts into this match come Stephen May, Jake Collajasny, and new debutant Jay Lockhart. And we're looking at this defense after round one, I guess, and I was thinking, okay, yep, they've had a rough preseason, a lot of injuries and um, and recoveries with that, but the additions of Stephen May, who's one of the best key position defenders in the competition, I guess, along with Jake Collajasny, all right, their back line looks good. Tom McDonald up forward. I mean, this is the, the Melbourne that we're used to seeing and the, the pressure game that Melbourne played. But Charlie Spargo and their small forwards were also excluded from this match, and maybe that didn't help them that much playing in the rain. Mm, they, they perhaps went a, a bit a bit too tall. And it was, uh, I believe it was only Jake and Cade Kolodjasny's second game playing against each other, just as a, a little uh, bit of trivia there for you. You look at the stats, yeah, Melbourne contested-wise, they did put on a better show than round one, and the scoreline doesn't do them justice. They they were there. They were a hard-fit outfit. Um, we used the ball a lot better than them. But Neville Jetta, who's a very, very good defender, uses it very well. Jaden Hunt back in the team this year. Cade Cole, Jasny, Sam Frost, Austin McDonald. The, the back line was just atrocious for them for me. I, I'm not sure... How much praise to raise onto our forwards? Whether we did indeed play that well to deserve an 80 point win against the Demons, who uh, I think will definitely make finals, or whether they just had an extremely off night down at the back. What are your thoughts, Jake? I, I just think, plain and simple, when it was there to be won, probably eight or nine out of ten contests, we probably won the more important ones. And there was a couple, especially in the uh, the first quarter, Dalhouse's goal, I can remember, came after a big contest and, and we ended up with it. And, you know, Tim Kelly came out with a goal from a contest and Asava ended up with a Joe the Goose out the back. And I just think our players' positioning work and positioning as a result of the, the work rate um, just resulted in a lot of our players ending up with the advantage and, and therefore the goals. And, just the efficiency kicking into the forward line. I mentioned that any time Sam Menegola gets a clear possession going to the forward line, it's pretty much guaranteed a goal. I just felt like the, the handballs to each other, especially like, you know, an example of when I think it was Selwood handballed out the front of Mitch Duncan, who just like ran onto it cleanly and ran into that open goal in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a lot of play where they, they just played and simply worked as a team really well. Um, yeah, I think we were just we had that mindset of of teamwork and helping each other out, and, and you know it was probably highlighted by that that Hawkins um, handball he got over the top from Jordan Clark and then gave it back to him, which which is good to see that it I don't know it just it just looks like and feels like that they all had the hunger and more importantly the passion that they were out there to win, and I think that was uh, definitely one of the biggest things to to see out of this game. Regardless of the result, you could see, and even last week, you could see that the effort was there. 
the passion and the determination to win. So that's definitely a big tick so far this year. Teamwork's the word. I, I remember last week, Oh, you were, you were mentioning that it looked like they were genuinely enjoying themselves. And mm. you could see that first quarter, Myers kicks a, a great goal to, to score our second. Uh, Charlie Constable getting his first goal at, at Kenya Park as well. Luke Dalhouse, his first in the in the first quarter as well. The celebrations were just next level. Yeah, <laughs> Gary really, Ron really as well. Couple, it, it, they just looked like they were loving themselves, and we we looked like we were playing like a unit. We talked last season about the likes of Richmond, Melbourne, Collingwood into that fray, playing as a twenty-two, and yeah, because of that, we've had to I guess digress into. Uh, a bottom six category of players who haven't performed and our best players and players that we've put into a bottom six list. There's no point putting in a bottom bottom six cats for this match at all because there's not one player that didn't put a shift in, in my view. I don't think for the last fortnight there's been much point in um, pointing out the bottom six because it has been such an even contribution from everyone. I think largely built off of uh, off of that manic tackling pressure in the front half. If we're going to talk about the forward line, Atkins with eight tackles, Dalhouse with eleven. Just uh, two indications. Yeah, Dalhouse is currently top leading tackle getter in the whole competition at the moment. So, uh, Stephen Wells, I know only two games in, and could have lived on everything, obviously, and when teams are two and zip, but he's performing very well. Mm, mm, it's, you know, what you would hope to happen is happening. Jake? Yeah, well, I think um, my tip for Cloud Cat of the Week last week was Brandon Parfit, and he didn't get three goals, he only got one, but he had nine tackles and 20 disposals as well, so. Um, there's about six players now that you can count on pretty much to have five tackles. And I was saying to you, Ollie, before, and how there was that one play on the wing where there was Neil Bullen and someone else versus Dalhouse, Rowan, and Atkins in a contest. And I just sort of laughed mm. and thought, like, oh, I feel sorry for these Melbourne players because they're about to get crunched. And then there was about two or three tackles. I think that was the same play where. Uh, Stephen May came in and and had that big hip and shoulder with Atkins. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Atkins it was stood his ground. Yeah, and then he he came off and got his shoulder tested. But you just like, geez, like that was just that pretty much summed up the whole night. Like we were just there and ferociously attacking them, and I think we ended up with the ball after that play anyway. But yeah, there was there was definitely positive signs, and you can tell that players like Parfit and and. Dalhouse, who was recruited for this role, but they're definitely um, benefiting from this, you know, revamped game plan, sort of Richmond and Bulldogs esque game plan of that forward half pressure and general um, attacking pressure. Mm, definitely, yeah. Some standout players that we we put our our minds to. Obviously, yeah. I think it's it's hard to go past uh, TK and Danger for this one. Um, if one gets tagged, the other one gets loose for this match, which was fantastic. So they both had sublime matches. Danger, 37 disposals, two goals. TK with the 30 disposals, one goal, five tackles and four respectively for each. <laughs> you could go down the list of all 22 and talk about key important attributes and moments in the game, right mm-hmm. down to Jack Henry, 
Uh, at the end there, I think it was against Tom McDonald, had a one-on-one and just playing the percentages. Grind Myers, 20 disposals, two tackles, but a goal as well. I thought he had a fantastic game, Grind Myers. I thought he was very good against um, Collingwood in his, his debut, but to step up from that was, was something else. Ablett finished with 25 disposals. He, he could have kicked three in the night. He could kick three or four, but yeah. didn't finish yep. with the goal. It was just that kind of night. Hawkins summed up his unselfish ability. Um, but for me, uh, I'm not sure whether to pin all on the back line or the 22 as a unit, really, Jake. It's, it's the 22. Yeah. I think that was one of the best team performances probably since the, the Sydney elimination final of a couple of years ago, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think that's a good call. Yeah. And even Sav, even though he didn't score a goal and he didn't get a, a contested mark inside 50, that's the thing. If he is able to leap inside 50, bring the ball down to the likes of um, Rowan, Dowhouse, Myers, Atkins, wherever it may be, then that's going to cause problems. In the ruck, even, he's just at times just jumping over Max Gorn's head occasionally. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, there was one bit of um, there was one bit of commentary when the uh, whoever it was, I think it was Bart uh, Ling, was t- talking about a stat um, in the in the break, and then Asava just sort of jumped over Max Gorn, and James Brayshaw sort of just said, "Oh bloody hell, sorry, Ling, I just didn't realise this guy was so athletic." He just clear jumped over Max Gorn. He didn't get the tap, but it reminded you of like when Nick Nutt sort of played his first couple of games, and everyone was thinking, "Geez, this guy's just an absolute freak." Yeah. 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 So injury free, big Sav could turn into anything. He, yeah, what a prospect on our hands there. Yeah, that's we, amazing. All you have to do is look at you know uh, his first few games for the club last season to see what he can bring to the team, and we we just know what he can bring to the team. Or you know, if you're if you've been someone that's followed the club closely, you'd understand. Yeah, I think, oh, you mentioned before um, how structurally important Asava is just to the team. Like, And, Ro, you said like he doesn't necessarily have to clunk mark and kick, um, kick goals, but as long as he keeps jumping and making these contests, that's like so important for this, this game plan that we have of like the Mosquito fleet just sort of flowing through and, and picking up the crumbs. And, and I'll point back to the that last play he sort of made last week where he Jumped and didn't grab the mark against Darcy Moore, but it went to ground. Then he tapped it out to Duncan to Callie, then the Hawkins goal. And that's a perfect example of what his job is. And if he can keep doing that job, it's, we're just going to benefit so, so well from him. And I think he was someone that we desperately missed last year. Once he went down, I think we could have probably gone a final further, to be brutally honest. If we had him playing in, in the final, we just needed that extra set of strong hands in the forward line to help Hawkins out. And uh, yeah, he was he was sorely missed. I think there's an element of everyone doing their job and everyone knowing their role because the roles are so clear and yep. yeah, so crystal clear that uh, you know it makes it very simple at the moment for people to know what they need to do. But it's a credit to everyone that they're actually doing it and delivering. Well, the the coaching staff have done their done their due diligence in the off season. Uh, to start the match, we had Ablett as uh, a full forward in the goal square. 
Um, throughout it, Mitch Duncan and Joel Selwood were playing a lot of the time on the wing. Duncan to be found on half back a bit there. Throw into the mix the center clearances, the likes of Tim Kelly, at times Atkins, Meningola, these blokes as well, not just the usual suspects of Danger, Selwood, Duncan, Ablett, as we've seen last season or previous. Mm. Yeah, Constable was getting involved. The pressure is being thrown onto these young guys or new players and they're delivering in spades. Definitely, yeah. Jordy Clark, uh, second game, yep, I'm very happy again. I thought his first quarter was a tiny bit sloppy at times. Gave Jade Lockhart a, a free goal by not reading the play, made a few mistakes, but he he, he was, just looks at a, a ten-year player, future player, if he remains with the Cats, lock him in, and I think he'll get a Rising Star nomination sometime this season. He's due after Chooks got his this week, so very happy with him. Um, I think he just genuinely lost lost the ball or just like wasn't looking at the ball in flight there because he just did like a complete 360 and was sort of looking around. And before he knew it, Lockhart had already like sort of taken the mark and almost got around him already. <laughs> and it just okay. like he's already done that and he did that thing in the JLT game where he was trying to kick in the wrong direction. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Benefit of that. Second game. <laughs> he's got his goal. He played yeah. a good game. 80 yeah. point oh. win. I mean, what do we. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for bringing that up, boys. It doesn't yeah. need to bring up. 80 point win. <laughs> yeah. He backs himself. He's, he's, got, he's got courage and he's got, you know, confidence. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. good to see. That's all you need at this stage. Yeah. We look now, I guess, with um, Zach Tui likely to be back between rounds four and six, as he stated. So Jordan can pretty much lock that position in until then. We'll play against the Crows, we would have thought. Jack Henry came off at three-quarter time. Bit of hamstring tiredness, but Chris got stated in the post-match interview that it, it, I guess it was part of the plan that match was already won leading up to, all right, we've gotten a, a quick get, quick turnaround playing Adelaide this Thursday night. Mm, changes may be made here or there. The VFL boys played on um, Saturday afternoon as well. Um, the likes of Lockie Henderson, Jermaine Jones, and Ryde Abbott all had limited time, but they still impressed. Darcy Fort, 20 hitouts. Abbott, 17 hitouts. Hendo still got on the, the, the best list, even though he had limited time playing. But I think it was Jordan Karras who, who took the chocolates, 18 possessions, and he 14 tackles. So Jordan Karras just continuing on from last season. Do we see, I guess, with the five day turnaround, Jake, do we see any changes? being made to uh, currently unchanged 22. I would have thought Henderson would have come in regardless of Henry's injury anyway, but I think Henry hurting his hamstring, we still don't really know to what degree, but I don't think the five-day turnaround is going to help him. So Henry probably comes out at this stage just as a precaution, and Henderson would come in. Um, Adelaide have Walker, Lynch, and Josh Jenkins so they've got a tall forward line. So I think Henderson, Taylor, and probably Blitzarves and Stewart sort of swap between those three talls. Um, Coladashny's there, so he'll probably get um, a couple of mid-sized forwards as well. Adelaide, yeah. I think um, that we've 
got pretty good coverage, especially having Henderson in now. It is a bit of a risk because Henderson, Taylor, and Blitz aren't necessarily the quickest. Not saying that Walker, Lynch, and Jenkins will outrun them at any stretch, but they still just need that bit of pace. And I think that's mm. where Henry adds a bit of that athleticism. So Henry and Collard Dashney would probably complement those three taller players anyway. But um, Tui, obviously, as you said, will be coming back within the next fortnight to three weeks. Um, I think Clark probably stays in before O'Connor. I think O'Connor would probably come out first before either of them. He has not put a foot wrong at all, O'Connor, so far, but I think Clark probably just lends himself. It would depend who we're playing at the time because I think O'Connor would probably be better as a sort of lockdown defender, whereas Clark's the more running-style defender. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it, it would, you know, there was an article about how we're going to have this rotational defense where there's probably about eight to even 10 players who deserve to be in the defense every week. And we just will rotate them as the, the teams we play sort of swing by each week. Oh, what do you reckon? I do recall the, uh, the commentary making, um, making the assertion just how athletic our defense is as a whole. I mean, you know, you've got, uh, genuine high quality athletes in, Henry and Blitzarves in their coming from athletic backgrounds. So, um, I mean, if, if Henry isn't in the squad this week, it's probably, probably a like for like in a sense of height anyway that Henderson comes in. It's the sensible choice. O'Connor at some stage, he, he may well go out. I would be backing Clark to also, yeah. As as you boys have been doing, I would be backing Clark to continue his uh, his rich vein of form at the moment, and and kind of maybe make a spot his own at least for the time being while Tui is uh, on the sidelines. It's a bit tough at the moment moment with the backline because yeah we we do have such a, a solid backline and but yet you look all right Cam Guthrie not listed haven't had great deal more about his injury than we brought up last week. The new one, in addition to Zach Tui, uh, oh, Ryan Reynolds reported in the Geelong Addy on the 1st of April, Monday the 1st of April. Jed Views, something that we haven't really heard that much about Jed Views. It's kept quite under the radar to the extent that when we were actually doing our getting cloud of best 22, we forgot about Jed altogether. He, yeah, <laughs> Not he, JLT. he would be, he would be, uh, you know, when fit, he'd be in genuine consideration for the best 22. So, um, it's purely off the back of no media coverage in terms of his injury or his whereabouts or his form or, you know, anything of, of that nature. Um, but uh, it, it appears that um, Jed's injury was perhaps brought on by too much in the way of uh, high-intensity running. And um, there's a, a bout of uh, osteitis, osteitis pubis that's um, hit him. And that's not necessarily the most short-term injury. The recovery can be you know, rather lengthy in some respects. What, what do you think you could put a, a time frame towards that being? 
I wouldn't necessarily be 100% confident making making an assessment in that being, regard. Being the um, KC doctor here. But I, <laughs> uh, in, in regards to the regularity of osteitis pubis in, in previous seasons, I think most people would agree that it's, you know, it's kind of, in a sense, to, to for want of a better term, it's gone out of vogue in terms of a, of an injury that people would regularly hear about. But a few seasons back, um, if some of our listeners are older or can recall, when Marvel Stadium was first created or was first built, it was a colonial stadium and was built on basically cement or was built on a, a, a car park of, of sorts. And the, uh, the turf was, uh, you know, left a bit to be desired. Um, plenty of scuff marks and these sorts of things. And because the surface was so hard, plenty of players were, um, subject to, to that, that type of an injury, that impact injury of um, the osteitis pubis, and that was a very common injury in the early part of the the uh, the 2000s. But um, it's kind of faded away now. But I mean, it's just a shame to hear that that's that's what it is. Yeah, especially when it is Busey, who definitely is part of our best 22 when he is fit, and when you have the likes of Henry. Henderson not a hundred percent fit. Tui still injured. You'd you'd love for Cam Guthrie and Abuse just to be able to step into the back line there. I think Cam Guthrie might be even a, a good fit to fit that Jack Henry mold with his versatility, I guess. But we'll move on to previewing Adelaide this Thursday night, Jake. It's another big test, and I shared similar sentence sentiments to. Chris Scott in his post-match interview, I guess, where he was positive yet cautious. Cautious, yeah. Positive yet cautious. 2-0, 2 and zip yet the likes of other teams that were thought of to be serious finals contenders, such as Melbourne, have not won a game yet. Um, West Coast, surprisingly, beating at Brisbane. Sydney as well. Uh, Adelaide went down in the first game. They got over Sydney in the end comfortably in round two. What do you think we'll expect from Adelaide Jake on Thursday night? They're honestly such a hard team to really gauge, to to be honest, because I thought that they were going to beat Hawthorne in round one, and then I thought Sydney were going to beat them in round two. So I'm zero out of 100 for for tipping (laughs) what they're actually going to do. And a lot of people had them in their top four and top eight in the preseason sort of calculations of where teams are going to fit up. And I, and I personally didn't really see where this was coming from. Like I know they had a, a shocking year with everything that happened with the camp and they fell out of finals and I just didn't see how they're going to come back from that. And I know that they've got both the Crouch brothers playing now and, and this is sort of some of my, um, super coach research coming through, but, um, both the Crouch brothers being in there does really help their midfield. It, it allows Sloan um, to become That's more free. Like, yeah, like what Kelly does with Dangerfield and having only one of them tagged at a time. Um, so I think their midfield 
has, especially in the second game, um, functioned a lot better. Uh, even with the loss of Richard Douglas in the um, the first week, who's a who's a key player for them off that halfback sort of midfield role, and he's um, he's actually killed Geelong a couple of times. We've played them recently. He kicked four goals against us in one of the games where we lost to them. So um, definitely their forward line is where the issues arise with their three big big guys in Lynch, Walker, and Jenkins, and obviously you've got Eddie Betts there and. The, the defenders in Rory Laird, Miller and Brody Smith have been good um, so far this year and, and they get a lot of run out of their back line. And I think um, I think we might be on top of them there. If we can quell them, as those guys that run out of the back line with the likes of Dalhouse and Rowe and, and, uh, and Atkins, I think that's where the game will be won, to be honest, because we haven't really been tested against a quick side that can, and, that can slice us up yet. Um, mm. We've played two really big, strong, Midfield strong teams so far, and yeah, like you said, this will be a big test. But I think if um, if we can lock down on their exit fifties into their forward line, and and guarantee, well, I'd back our defence in so far to um do the job they've kept doing. But if we can stop the inside fifties, because if we let Adelaide have seventy five or seventy four inside fifties like Melbourne, I think we might be in trouble because they're a bit more efficient. Their foot skills overall, I think, are a bit more um. Well, good in general over Melbourne's. They're a bit more grunt and, and um, sheer weight of numbers, but they're a bit more efficient. Adelaide coming out of the back line into the forward line. They're just like a team of Sam Menegolas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great markers can midfield forward dynamic, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, playing those those three falls, forwards for Adelaide, that may create room for Lockie Henderson to come into the team if Jack Henry's not fit or if a change needs to be made. That may work in our favour, uh, yeah. to be fair. But um, it, it, it will be interesting, I guess. Um, it, they do look a very good inside team. We've said this for seasons, though, when, when they have the likes of, um, of Rory there and the Crouch brothers and... In round two, we had our inside and outside game working, so we are beating Melbourne contested ball in both. So if we can, I guess, at the very least, uh, break even with them in terms of the clearance department, then I think if we leave the rest up to the defenders to rebound and clear their lines and the Mosquito Fleet, crumb, mosquito fleet Crummers to, to pick up from there, we'll, we'll be in with a very good chance. Just uh, if we can, if we can put ourselves in the right spots and just be thereabouts at the right time, you know, who who knows what could what could happen? It's going to be tough, mm. and you know, we're going to be up against a um, parochial uh, crowd and you know all the rest of it. But um, we don't have any reason to fear anyone at the moment. Nobody has the reason to necessarily fear us either you know it's very early but um i feel like you know that the confidence would be pretty high at the moment for us yeah i I think that was one of the things chris scott said in his post-match interview that positive momentum is is great and yes you can build off negative momentum but they'll ride the wave as as long as they can so exactly just ride this wave yeah i i didn't expect to to beat Collingwood round one, wasn't sure what to expect with 
forwards Abby Tonts, along with well, six if you want to include uh, uh, Gary Rowan and and Dalhouse. So it's it's been a, a bit of a surprise first two rounds. Having said that, it, it is early days. Teams are still finding their own dynamic and feet and gelling. Um, so I guess we'll wait and see. And I, I could not have picked last week that we would have came out with an 80-point win. So I, I'm not too sure what to expect. We are the bookies underdog for this match, which I like because... I feel like Geelong performs better when they are the underdog for some reason. Um, but hopefully we can come out with the, the cherries. My big um, my big interest, though, is um, one particular punter uh, in the KC crew is, is currently on a hat-trick with his predictions. He <laughs> named Olivia Purcell for her to be a round five Rising Star nominee which she was named in the yep. next few days following the release of the podcast a week ago uh, and in our messages has named Troop Constable to be Rising Star. Recently found out that Charlie Constable is the round two Rising Star. Jake, you're on a hat-trick. Up to you. Your call. Well, I did just say before that Clark was going to get the Rising Star for the next week, but <laughs> you know, there's plenty of good kids playing in in the rest of the teams. Um, I don't know. I, I'm definitely going to back Clark in to get the Rising Star against the against the Hawks. I'm just going to say he'll get the Rising Star and I'm against Hawthorne. Oh, that that would be juicy. That would be tasty. If, that would just if oh, he if he it. gets Rising Star against Hawthorne, he's um, <laughs> he's already a Cats champion. Just think about it. it's it's when the games have the most like exposure when a lot of people see him. So on Easter Monday, if he has like nineteen disposals and a few marks, he'll get it easy. Don't worry. It'll be a big game, big pressure. Absolutely. Yep. All that. Happy days and leads us under, I guess. Cloud of cat of the week upcoming this Thursday night at Adelaide against Adelaide. I'll go for a cat's victory. I I think I said. Two, three goals last week against the Demons. Turned out to be an 80-point win. So <laughs> I'll go for, I think, three goals. A, a bit more tighter contest, I think. Rory and the Crouch Brothers will test us a bit in the midfield. In the past, we have tagged Rory. I don't think we'll tag Sloan, given that we don't have Scott Selwood or Cam Gaffer in the team and Blitzarves is playing a back role. At the same time, I don't think that uh, inhibits our team at all with the young youth and just the new dynamic and the way we're playing. So I'll say three goals and I'll say Tom Atkins to get over 10 tackles, 10 tackles at least. That would be very special. Oh, your Cloud of Cat of the Week upcoming? Cloud of Cat of the Week this week against Adelaide. I will select Tim Kelly to continue his ridiculous form to start the the uh, regular season. I will ride this wave in in terms of the form and back the Cats this week for a win. Yep, here we go, pessimist. I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I will yeah, we'll go with a we'll go with a margin that's, you know, not large. Um <laughs> I'll say Two goals. Yeah, yeah. Standard. 
Standard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jake, Thursday night, give me 30 degrees in Adelaide. What's your Friday um, League Cup coming? I reckon we can win by seven points in a close one. one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that run and gun style will be harder for us to negate because we're not necessarily a quick team, although we have brought in quick players like Clark, Myers, uh, Rowan, Harford. They're quick and can tackle. Um, Um, Yeah, I think seven points is probably the margin that I'm thinking. And I think the cat of the week I'd be nominating is our captain, Joel Selwood. Yeah, he looks to be relishing that that outside role. He looks fit. He's just cruising around, kicking goals from the pocket, kicking goals from the goal line. Uh, I reckon 24 touches and 14 contested and one captain's goal. You're on a hat-trick here. So if that comes true, <laughs> then we are starting our own Jake's betting company. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, we've, we've strayed Blank away as far from... Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we don't endorse... Uh, we don't gamble. endorse any form of gambling here. No, just no gamble responsibly, please. Okay, <laughs> see? Yeah. <laughs> Onwards and upwards. Next match, Thursday night against Adelaide. Go to the Cats. Go, boys. Very exciting. Let's go, Cats. 